Well, amen. We certainly can't boast in our own works. Uh, we glory in the cross. Boast in the finished work of the Lord Jesus. Uh, this morning, uh, <clears throat> of course, we ended up our study in Philippians last week, and I've been working through uh, some messages about engaging our culture uh, on Sunday nights. And, and so this morning, um, this kind of times in, and it was very appropriate with what uh, Sister Diane shared this morning. And probably a lot of us really had no idea of the reach that our women's ministry in Liberty has. And a lot of us don't realize that uh, we give a, a lot of attention and a lot of financial resources as well as personal hands to those things uh, with respect to our local missions uh, in Tiff County. Um, you know, there is a world to reach for Christ, but that world starts here. And uh, there's a lot of work that goes on in our community that a lot of folks don't necessarily know about. And we're not to, to brag about them, but just so you know, as a part of this church, uh, your offering, your, your giving uh, goes to help a lot of people. Uh, it's not, you know, we, we're good stewards of it. Uh, everything that we do uh, with the resources that are provided by the faithfulness of the members of this church, it's all in the open. Nothing done in secret. Uh, every month, there's a list of every check that was written, every deposit that was made, because it's not our money anyway. Uh, we're just the conduit, uh, the conduit uh, of blessing to other people. Uh, as, as I say often, we're not that dead sea that nothing runs out of. We, we open the floodgates, and we want... Uh, to be good stewards of what God has blessed us uh, with. And that ties in with the message today about confessing Christ to the world. And we're just going to read Mark chapter 16, verse 15. I'm going to ask you to stand, though, as we honor the reading of God's Word this morning. Uh, but the message is very simple. If we're going to engage a culture and win a culture, we have to understand what are we to fight with. We're not in a popularity contest uh, Jesus said, the world hated me, they're going to hate you because of it. Uh, the world is not embracing the vision of Christ. I think that's obvious. Uh, so what are we to do in confessing Christ to the world? Well, in Mark chapter 16, here in verse 15, very simply put, but profound nonetheless, He says unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for that word, for that mission. Lord, for the mandate that's given there and for the message that is to be brought. Help us to be obedient to it. Open the eyes of our hearts this morning that we might, Lord, understand the level of commitment, the level of faith that, Father, you are calling us to. What, what can we do? It's a question we often ask, Lord. I pray this morning that you would help us to see that all of us can take a, a, a very great and, and intricate part in confessing Christ to the world. Give us wisdom. Give us faith, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. And you may be seated. Well, as I've, I've stated before, that we are in uh, a battle. The Lord makes no bones about that. The Scripture teach that just as the first church the early church was engaged in a cultural war uh, we are also engaged in a cultural 
war. Uh, they were engaged in a war specifically uh, on two fronts. They're in Jerusalem specifically with the Jewish people. Uh, Messiah being Christ was not accepted. And so uh, it was Christianity, the new covenant versus the old covenant. And there was blowback, there was resistance, there was pushback from that. But then there was also going to be, after it made its way out of Jerusalem into you know, Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world, they were going to engage a very hostile world to their faith. The Roman world at first didn't really care. Uh, they believed in a pantheon of gods, and so what was another god? If it would make a better crop, uh, if, it, if it provided fertility, who cared? We'll, we'll pay homage to that too. But the problem with Christianity is God doesn't give us the luxury. He does not give us the sinful ability to place Christ on some other level with false gods. That's not the way Christianity works. And so it would eventually run very counter to the Roman culture, the pagan idolatry that was taking place in the known world. Because those who would commit their lives to Christ would no longer participate in their festivals. As a matter of fact, they would be uh, uh, ardent uh, p- people that, that spoke out. Uh, they were uh, committed to their faith and they were committed to seeing evil and idolatry squashed in their communities and in their nation. And we've been that way ever since. As I've said, Jesus said, the world hated me and they will hate you because of me. We seem like for some reason in the last 30 years, we took an approach holistically as the church in America, that if we could just be popular enough, we'd win people to Jesus. I hope, I hope, after the last three years specifically, we have come to the conclusion that that was a terrible strategy. I hope we do. I hope we have. Because we're not in a popularity contest with the world over Jesus. We're in a battle of heaven and hell and the things that are perishing away, and the things that are going to be eternal. We are in a war where people's lives are literally, their eternity is at stake. And the message that we are to to bring is a message that is simple, but it is profound, and it is distinct. It is distinct. And we are told that that message is the gospel. It means good news. And we're going to unpack that because, see, our culture today is confused about who has authority. Our culture today is confused about who's in control. Our culture today is confused about truth. And that, that my emotional whims over... Uh, they, they're more important uh, than truth. Uh, and we cannot build a society on that. We have to be a culture that embraces truth because the future of whether or not we are a nation is at stake because we're in the point of where it is revival or ruin and then ultimately the eternity of people. Folks, there are, there are a lot of people that are, are being sent out into an eternity comfortable about their sin. And now listen, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Apart from the imputed righteousness of Christ, none of us are right with God. It's not about my righteousness, my self-righteousness. That's not what it's about. But the message that we are told to take to a world involves this reality that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God has given us a way to test that we are sinners. It's called His commandments. 
We haven't, we, we, we've not fulfilled them. And so by the test, we are sinners. And the Word tells us that because of sin, we die. And nobody is going to exempt themselves from that. Nobody does. It doesn't matter how all of the medical breakthroughs that we have, nothing is going to rid us of this fact that sin entered this world and death abounds because of it. Everything dies. It all does. And that is because of the broken, sinful, depraved nature of not just us as human beings, but the world at large. The world is dying. The world is breaking up. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, growing up as a kid, the only place in America I ever heard about earthquakes was in California. Well, now they happen in Georgia too. (laughs) Why? Because the world is falling apart. Sin is destroying slowly but surely. Because that is what is going on. Now, that is a fact, right? That is a fact. So, in this broken, sinful world, Christ tells us that we need to acknowledge that and we're to repent and turn away from sin and trust that what Christ did on the cross sufficiently satisfies my past, present, and future sin debt. So that Christ gives to me His righteousness and I wear it in faith and therefore I am made right. And to step out of this body, this side of heaven, means that I will be present with the Lord forever. So we are taught to take that mission, that mandate, and that message to the world. So Mark says it real simple. He says, I want you to take the gospel and preach it all over the world to every creature. He goes on to say in verse 16 that he who believes and is baptized, see, uh, will be saved. It's not that baptism is a part, is, it makes you saved, but those who are genuine in their repentance and faith do what the Word says. We, we're not saved from our sins and have this experience with Jesus to continue to live as reprobates. I, and, and for some reason, that's gotten lost over the last few decades or, or something. Mark shows us that it is a logical following of the Word of God to repent of sin and then have that public profession of faith of being baptized, whether it's in a creek, a river, a pond, or a baptistry. It is a representation of the death of Christ, the burial of Christ, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're not washing away your sins. We're showing that the old man is dead and that all things have become new. Because you're living now, as the Scriptures teach us, as a new creation in Christ Jesus. That is what we are to take to a lost world. Now we understand there's a lot of people in the world. Over 7 billion, they say. I haven't counted them. I'm going to take their word for it. And they tell me, and again, I haven't counted this, but I'm going to take their word for it. That that about 3 billion people still have not heard the gospel. And there's some 5,000 languages out here that have yet to have the gospel translated in their language because the you know the world the world speaks a lot of different languages and so the 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 you know the the mission is to get the gospel in their native tongue so that it means something to them because english doesn't resonate with everybody right i mean it doesn't right 
If, if you've ever been in South Florida, you understand that. It, it's not the same, right? And, and even in our culture, we run into people all the time. They've been here for a while, but, the, you know, they don't really get the lingo down and, and, and we speak too fast and we're speaking with a southern dialect and they look at us and they start smiling. And you know when they start smiling, they have no idea what you just said at all. Because everybody doesn't understand English. So it's to put it in their native tongue for them to understand what the scriptures are teaching so that they can embrace the gospel. So the mission is clear. Go. We're to go into all the world. That is the commission. I read a story out of a Barna research group, just their synopsis of a study that they had taken a few years back. And I think, and I may be quoting this wrong, but I believe the study was that less than 35%, somewhere around 30% of Christian people knew what the Great Commission even was in America. That they had no idea what that was. And of course we understand that that uh, less than 10% of Christians like read, you know, read their Bible uh, consistently. And we know that around 2% of people actually share their faith. So we understand that when we just look at the commission, there's something that needs to be done and it's not quite getting done. So Mark very simply says to go. In Matthew chapter 28, Matthew says it this way, Go therefore and make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that meaning the end of the the church age, because we're going to get out of here one day. But we're to be faithful and we're to make disciples and we're to teach them all the things. See, it's not about just having a, a revival or a crusade and people being saved. We've got to turn folks that have made a profession of faith somewhere. We're to turn them to the church. We're to, we're to encourage them to be a part of a local church so that they can be discipled. There is a need for a local church. God did not save you to watch online. There's a need for that. There's a ministry of that. I mean, we got a podcast too. But by and large, God's people are to connect with a local church. That's what the scriptures have taught for 2,000 years. So we can become disciples because we're to make disciples, right? So in the process of doing that, the mission is to go. The mandate is authoritative, that we are to do something. We are to preach. And the message is is not uh, some compromised, uh, wishy-washy message that we think is going to uh, mash up better with the world. It is the gospel. And see, here's where we start running in different directions. Now, I believe in being tactful. And I I, I believe in, in, in methods. But we're not to compromise the message. Because here is what is important and unique about the gospel. The gospel is not about me convincing you. The gospel is not about my, our, my, my charisma. It's not about your charisma or the next person's charisma. It's not about to be a preacher, i got to go to a school and learn how to preach. 
my, my reliance is on the power of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit to do something with that Word. Now, if we, if we do not come back to that, we're missing the point. We're missing the point. Salvation is a supernatural thing. And, and if literally, if I can talk you into doing something, someone else can talk you out of it. We're talking about this holistic, supernatural change. Now, if, if God's gifted you as a good speaker, great. If, if you're a person that, that is a, a apologetic, since you know how to debate and you know how to uh, engage people like that, to God be the glory. But at the end of the day, winning an argument on the age of the earth is not necessarily going to save somebody. That's important. But that in and of itself is not the gospel. I have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to grip the heart of the sinner and for them to see their need for Jesus. And, and if the gospel we preach today is this, hey, let's come together and let's all sing some song together and let's just realize that we're all sad and we're unfulfilled and cry a lot and be very emotional and that all of this kind of stuff and that in the midst of all of that and singing the certain types of music or whatever and we all have some experience and we say that's the gospel and and we're all good that ain't gonna cut it that's not gonna cut it and the reason why is we've done that now for about 40 years 30 for sure and I want to ask you something today is the culture more like Jesus today than it was 30 years ago the answer to that question is no 10 years ago we knew what a boy and a girl was but we don't seem to know that anymore. Ten years ago, do you realize, do you realize this? That apart from, from President Trump and, and, and the first, you know, not, not counting the last year of his presidency, but the previous three years, he was socially a conservative for the most part. But I want you to think about something. Barack Obama, would, would be a conservative president compared to who we have in office now. This was a man that believed in a marriage between a man and a woman. He said it publicly. He, he probably didn't believe it, but he knew he couldn't say that he didn't. He knew what a boy and a girl was. If he wanted this, he, he would not say it because the culture would not allow him to say it. Culture determines what politics is. And what used to drive the culture was the church. We led on all of those issues because fundamental to what we preached was the gospel. Because we did not rely on politics and legislation to change the culture. We relied on the power of God to change the culture. Because we understood that when Jesus comes inside of a broken, sinful person and they see regeneration and they know what it means to be saved, that person is transformed from the inside out. And it showed up in their families. It showed up in their work environments. It showed up in their culture. But the culture today is driven by Hollywood, by entertainment. And, be and because of that, then politics follows the culture. And so if... 
if the culture's been driven to a cesspool, you don't have a swap in Washington. You have a cesspool in Washington. That's what you have. Because it's always going to follow the culture. When we preach the gospel and we stay focused on the simple commission, it changes people. Now, there, there are different methods. Don't, don't get me wrong. But the message cannot change. And when we look into the gospels, we find that they may have said or used different words, but the message is the same. We go, to, we go to Luke, to the very last chapter of Luke. Luke is a doctor. He's a little wordy. Probably like your physician. And, and where Mark says, go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, Luke says it this way. He said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are dued with power from on high. That's Luke's way of sharing the more simplified version of that in Mark. And you'll notice from this whole idea of the power endued from on high, he would carry that same line of thinking into Acts chapter 1 and say, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and when he does, you'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. He just is carrying that message forward. So here's the thing. If we are saved, we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit. And every single one of us then is under this commission of God to go and to preach and to share the good news. All of us are. Now that, that is going to vary within different people. Based on your gifts, based on your influence, and, and based on your age. It, it'll, it's going to vary. But there is a clear message here that we are to be preaching. And that is that Christ, yes, He loves the world. He died for the world. And that it is through faith. It is, it is repentance of sin. And it takes on different, different forms. It takes on uh, different expressions the way you would share it or I would share it. It may be uh, more wordy for you. It may be more simple and to the point. A, a lot of those things vary with personalities. And, and again, the gifts that God has given you. But nevertheless, however we've been equipped, we're still called to go, to preach, and to share that message. We're talking about Annie Armstrong. Talking about the need for North American missions. We, we absolutely need the gospel to be preached in America. We absolutely need to, to show up and when there's a tragedy, we're there to help physically. We're there to help emotionally and also there to, to offer the ultimate spiritual need, which is Christ. That's what we do. That is effectively connecting with the world at their point. And that's what we're called to do. 
Wherever God has us in this culture, whatever place that may be, we are to take that world, that unique little place of influence that we have, and we're to uh, use those talents in a way that affects that little bitty world that we're in. See, I think sometimes we're, 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 we're looking for too big of a task, and, and we're complicating it big time. I mean, I, I understand that, you know, it, it breaks my heart that there are people that don't have a Bible. I mean, I, I've, I've seen villages of three, 400 people that when the airplane lands with the cardboard box full of the New Testament, they're out there at the airport waiting for it to get there. They're in tears and crying as they're unloading the boxes because they have the Word. And it's everywhere here. You don't have a Bible? We'll give you a Bible. You, don't have a, you can buy a Bible at the Dollar Tree. You can buy it at Walmart. You can buy it anywhere. You can go to any thrift store and find a Bible. It's everywhere. And, and as much as, as it breaks my heart that there are cultures all over the world that don't know the gospel, there are people around us that don't know the gospel. Well, I, you know, I live in the South. I must be a Christian. No, you're not. No, you're not. There's only a, a, one way that comes by. And you may live in an area that's more saturated with the gospel, but that doesn't mean that you're getting it, that you're hearing it. We have to be mindful of that. And in what area of life God has called us to, we have to be obedient to carrying the gospel to those that are around us. And we immediately, we, we think about in our mind, well, I've got, to, I've got to hand out tracts, I've got to go do this and this. You know, that's an element of it, but that's not necessary. That, that, that in and of itself is not necessary. Number one, do you care? Just get, let's just get down to a very simple thing right now. The people that I work with, people that I live near, people that are part of my family, that, that I know, is it concerning to us? Just to start with this point, do I care? Is it concerning to us that people that do not know Christ when they die are not going to heaven? Is that concerning to us? Do we even believe that? See, I think in our culture today, by and large, we don't believe that. There's, only, there's about 360,000 churches in America. That's a lot of churches. I don't think a lot of people that are sitting in the pews of those churches believe that. I think we've bought into the Discovery Channel and whatever other channel that's out here talking about how this is a bunch of made-up stories and we're just trying to scare people to obedience. Because it ought to bother us if we really believe that. That there are people that are part of our family, our friends, people we work with and live around us that don't know Christ. Now, I can't make anybody do anything, okay? I understand that and you do too. But does it bother you in your heart of hearts that heaven is real and hell is too? 
and that when you breathe your last breath, there's no opportunity left to make that decision. Now, I, 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 don't, I, I know I have 25,000 plus archaeological digs that verify the places this book speaks of. I know that I have tens of thousands of manuscripts that have been found that verify the words in this book. And I know that there was a man that walked on this earth that come from Nazareth named Jesus and they put that man to death on a cross and they took him off of that cross and they put him in a tomb and they sealed it and they guarded it and on the third day those guys could not keep him from coming out of the grave and all they would have had to do is find a body. And we wouldn't be talking about this nearly 2,000 years later. Those things either happened or they did not. I am convinced with every breath of my body that they happened. And because I am convinced of the fact that this man died and rose from the grave, and I have no reason to doubt it. I mean none. Lee Strobel, a, a, a skeptic, a lawyer, set out to defeat this idea that there was a man named Jesus that really died and rose from the grave. And he became a Christian because he could not defeat the argument. The overwhelming historical evidence. The people that saw him at one time, I mean, for crying out loud, 500 people at one time saw this man and all of these things happen or are being written in the lifetime of the people that observed them. You cannot fake that. Certainly in that world you can't fake it. We can fake a lot of things today. We got fake book for crying out loud. We can fake a lot of stuff. But you couldn't fake it in the first century. If these things are true, then we have a mandate to go and to preach and to make disciples. And that call is on all of us to do our part to do that. However that works out, however that fleshes out. But I want to tell you, you are not going to care and I won't care until I care, until I believe, until I understand that reality. People need the Lord. And people need us. They need one another. They need relationships. They need the authentic nature of that. People need a friend. People need somebody to talk to. Somebody to depend upon. We've lost that today. Being a neighbor, you know, a hundred years ago was, was entirely different than being a neighbor today. We needed each other. We saw that need. And by the way, we still need that e e each other today. We still need the community of the local church today. You're not going to get that through your internet. That's impersonal. They, you know, we've got, we're talking about AI and the, and the rapid growth of artificial intelligence in our culture today and how that they, they've, they've literally created bots now that can learn and reason and begin to, uh, based on what you see, what you like, what you buy, things that you say, they develop a, a brain that interacts and functions with you. I don't want that in my house. I, I don't want that. I want people. I want people. But, but when a culture throws off restraint, rejects truth, it's all about what I think, truth is what I believe, then you gravitate to stuff like that. Because a good friend will tell you when you're crazy. 
A good friend will say, you've lost your mind, man. What are you thinking? Your, your AI Alexa ain't going to tell you that. She's going to tell you to buy more stuff from Amazon. A good friend will say, man, you, you, you're crazy. We're living in that world today. We've rejected truth and we've embraced anything. What's going to break that? What's going to shake us out of this complacency that we are in? Only a supernatural work of Christ. Our hearts need to be changed. We're not living anymore in this umbrella of, of, of Judeo-Christian teaching anymore. The institutions of our country, they're, they're, they're not operating out of, out of this belief that, that there is this uh, you know, altruistic God that, that, that we're told of in the Bible and that He is good and that there is morality and He determines what's right and wrong. Our institutions in our country aren't operating on that premises anymore. They're broken. What will change that? An authentic encounter with Jesus and only that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. There are things that we can do, but I'll end by saying there's also something that we cannot do. We can't ignore the condition of the world and we cannot neglect the message, the mandate, or the mission. God's got a part for all of us to participate in. And we need to be committed to fulfilling that. Next, next Sunday, uh, you know, I'm calling Spring Renewal. Just opportunity. As we look at this, what do I need? As, as we enter, you know, a new season, we're about to start planning and all of that kind of stuff. You know, things are... Starting to grow. How do I grow? How does God renew in me a desire for the things of God? We need that. We can call it revival. We can call it renewal. We can put a lot of words on it. But we need an authentic encounter, a come to Jesus meeting. The church needs that. We desperately need that. We need to be praying for God to move in our hearts Every day we get closer to the return of the Lord. Every day we get closer to the end of this age. Every day we are closer. God renew in me a heart and a love for the things that are important to you. People need the Lord. God uses folks like you and me to take that message to them. May we be obedient to that call, to that mission. It is great. It is not compromising and is not for discussion. Let us be faithful. Let us be obedient. Let's join our hearts in prayer this morning. Father, with a humble heart this morning, God, we acknowledge that you are the way, the truth, and the life. God, there is much to be done, but Lord, we do not go in our own strength or in our own power. You call us to be faithful and you just call us to share. God, help us live the gospel, to, to speak the gospel. To be the people you've called us to be. To be the people we've committed and professed to be.
We struggle. We fall short. We're not perfect. We've not arrived, God. I am a man that on my best struggle, I am clothed in flesh. And, and God, every day, I am reminded of my frailty, my inability, Lord. God, help us to lean on you and in you and, and God, to be dependent upon you. Help us to realize the brokenness around us and see the world as you do. This morning, God, help us to acknowledge our sin if we've never been saved. Lord, today's the day and now is the time. God, help us to step out in faith today. Have your work in every heart, I pray, in the sovereign of the universe, the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, let's stand on our feet this morning.